Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this day after Thanksgiving episode, the world we live in, or the world that we live in. We have Darren Wolden with us today because we live in a world that there's lots of things that we could know that we don't. And Darren Wold has been studying some of those things having to do with prophecy, our Bible, and things that are laid out in the Bible but not fully explained. But we do now have access to scrolls and information that previously we didn't know or understand. We're going to dig into that after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is on witnesses. In his poem, The Witnesses, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow described a sunken slave ship. As he wrote of skeletons in chains, Longfellow mourned slavery's countless nameless victims. The concluding stanza reads, These are the woes of the slaves. They glare from the abyss. They cry from unknown graves. We are the witnesses. But who do these witnesses speak to? Isn't it such a silent testimony futile? There's a witness who sees it all. When Cain murdered Abel, he pretended nothing had happened. Am I my brother's keeper? He said dismissively to God. But God said, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Cain's name lives as a warning. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. John the disciple cautioned, Abel's name lives on too, but in a dramatically different way. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did, said the writer of Hebrews. By faith, Abel still speaks. Abel still speaks, so do the bones of those long-forgotten slaves. So we do well to remember all such victims and to oppose oppression wherever we see it. God sees it all. His justice will triumph. Heavenly Father, you're the God who sees. Help us to see oppression when it happens and show us what we can do to counter it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, don't be like Cain. Be more like Abel. And to be able, you have to be, you know, I think probably prepared with information. To be able to be that witness that the inspiration talked about, you have to have information, knowledge, and understanding. And, you know, we want to dig in past John 3.16 because it's not about us only. It's also about our neighbors. It's about the things that are coming ahead, the wisdom to foresee that the world isn't about us it's it's about god's creation as a whole and we want to look at this from a more holistic way i think as christians we should be looking for more information so we are able to witness to the communities that say, oh the bible's just an old book well there's lots of old books and the bible actually talks about some of them there's old civilizations that we're digging up and finding that the Bible already told us about. And we've talked about that with Darren Wold on the show before, but we're going to be talking specifically about a book that was actually prophesied about and talked about in the Bible. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in, Darren. Hey, thanks, Tim. So uh, yeah, tonight I wanted to bring up uh, a book that's mentioned in the Bible. You know, during the time of David, we had uh, a couple of 
prophets on the scene. You know of Nathan the prophet. Uh, one of the other ones was Gad the seer. And Gad the seer is part of what they call the Lost Five um, in the scholar world of Nathan, Gad, Ahijah, Shemaiah, and Iddo. Um, they're all gentlemen that were prophets of their time and all had books that they wrote. We don't have any of those in our canon. But there's an interesting story of where they came from. Um, so uh, let's take you back to the time uh, when we have the the nation of Israel divided into the two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom of 10 tribes and the southern kingdom of two tribes. And during this time of kind of apostasy, where the 10 tribes are slowly walking away from the Lord, uh, the prophets there are telling the people, if you keep doing this, you are going to be taken into captivity. You're going to lose everything you have. And as these prophecies are being come, you know, coming true, you see all of a sudden the Assyrians attack and two of them are two two tribes are dragged off into captivity and another year or two and then another two are attacked and taken off into captivity there's a group of israelites in the northern in the northern kingdom that are still trying to follow uh follow the word of the lord in other words obey uh the seven noahide laws the 10 commandments and everything that was put forth uh by even moses at that time um and they understood if we stay here we're going to be taken into captivity we're going to lose everything and they decided, well, let's not stay here. Let's get out. And so what they did is they took off to the east across the desert. Um, it was a small group. It was only about 460 people. And they made their way to what uh, you and I would call nowadays Yemen. And they stayed there for several hundred years. I think it was almost a, almost a thousand years, not quite, um, until... The, the Muslims in the area who came to be, because they got there before the Muslims, uh, started to build up a presence and then started to persecute them. And then at that point, they were like, boy, we got to get out of here. We can't stay here. We need to go far enough away that none of these guys can catch up to us anymore. So they went on a very long journey and they made it all the way to the tip of what is now India. Cochin, India. And uh, they have a, in fact, even to this day, there's a small Jewish community in Cochin, India. And that is where we found this copy um, of Gad the Seer. And Gad is mentioned in, again, in our Bible, multiple places there during the time of David. You guys can look it up in Kings and Chronicles. And what we find, um, this gentleman that wrote the book that I'm going to be able to talk to you guys from uh, is Dr. Ken Johnson. And his history of getting this book was kind of cool. Um, he had been talking at a seminar, I think it was in 2014, about how he was looking for a copy of Gad the Seer. He knew it was out there. There were a couple of books of it, little like a little piece of it, a chapter here, a chapter here that were floating out on the internet, but he never could find the entire thing. And uh, finally had a gentleman that actually communicated with him from India saying, hey, I hear you're looking for this. Would you like a copy? And he's kind of thinking this is a joke, but at the same time, if there's any chance this could be real. And so uh, sure enough, uh, a couple months go by and he ends up with a package and opens it up and here it is, Gad the Seer. It blew him away. Couldn't believe that he actually had a copy of it. And he checks it out and going through it, he goes, wow, this looks like this is real. This is exactly what, you know, what it should be, what I think it would be. So digging um, into this just a little bit more, because Gad the Seer, obviously, if this is uh, the time of David, that this is being written, this would have not been written in a regular hardbound book. This would have been scrolls. Oh, it had been a scroll, mm -hmm, for and, sure. And so some of the things that people looked into Gad this year in past decades, some of that was 
stories told, you know, through generations, right, and and things like that. But this was a scroll that was actually found, and and so the copy he got was not a scroll, right? It was no, it was an actual. So what he ended up getting was a German copy. It was very interesting. What happened is the gentleman he got it from had an original Dutch copy, who then got copied into German. And then he get a German copy over uh, to uh, Dr. Ken Johnson, who transferred that into English. And so as of 2016, that's when I was able to get my copy. Um, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. So if somebody wants to look at this or get this book, they go can on to Amazon right now, Amazon. type in book of Gad the Seer. You're going to see it pop up. It's kind of a light blue color. You'll see a little camel and a donkey on the front with some light green grass and a wall temple wall and it says by dr ken johnson it'll cost you twelve dollars and 95 cents i i strongly encourage anyone who has any kind of prophetical inklings or 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 yearnings uh to get a copy of this and read it for themselves you don't have to listen to what i'm saying you can read it for yourself and see it uh it is amazing it is incredible and so these um, were pulled from scrolls yep from original were... scrolls now think about this as though that group that left from from israel the 10 tribes they grabbed a bunch of their original scrolls as they left that 460 people because they wanted the word of god to be with them the torah and these were also books they had in their possession so we didn't have them and the interesting thing too is they actually didn't want us to get them because these are still orthodox Jews that are now living in India. And so there is a small group still in Yemen that never did leave Yemen. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting because remember in their mind, Christ was not the Messiah and they don't want you to think Christ ever could be the Messiah. So anything that might point to Christ being the Messiah is a book they really don't want Christians to get. Right. But and it didn't end up in our canon. No, it, it didn't, didn't end up in the, in the because Holy they Bible. Didn't, they didn't have it at that time. It got taken with them. That's why. It got taken. But yeah. what's interesting is they wanted to preserve the history and the truth. It's kind of weird, too. Isn't it strange? It, 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 it's like <laughs> it's like the murder weapons, you know, yeah. that, that gets, oh, sure, it gets hidden, but it gets hidden in a place where it's perfectly preserved. So you can, you can bring it back at a later time. <laughs> yeah. That's what I get fascinated by. A lot of these books that are being protected and held by the Jews. In fact, even the Dead Sea Scrolls themselves. The Dead Sea Scrolls, the Jews need because it gives them the ability to claim, make claim on the land that they were here at a very ancient time, and this predates Christ by several hundred years, two, three hundred years. So that's why they want to keep them. The problem is when you start to read the actual scrolls, they scream of a Messiah, and they scream of him dying on a cross for the sins of the world, and they scream of this having to happen before the temple's destroyed in 70 AD. So but does the Torah does the Torah include the New Testament? No, no, that's just Old Testament. So, so, so they don't believe any of the. So New that's Testament. where the the Jewish religion's roots stayed. Yeah. So I mean, I can understand why they want to hold on to the root religion and not get into the New Testament because most of their history that was of most relevance was in the Old Testament and in the or in the Torah. So these new books they wanted to preserve them, the artifacts of them. You know, the, these wonderful pieces of history, but they didn't really want the culture around them to have the understanding that was brought into the, the New, Te- New Testament. Especially the Christians. They, they, they knew what they're looking at. They're looking at things that, 
that point to Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And the funny part is, you know, you think think of this, if, if I'm going to come at a different angle here, if you read through the book of Daniel, you can see that Christ is being pointed as the Messiah because there's a day count of the time that he enters Jerusalem that says that's the Messiah. And yet, if you go ask an Orthodox Jew, they'll say, well, no, no, um, God, God got upset with us and didn't send the Messiah. And then I have to go, wait, wait, wait. So God predicted a Messiah, gave the words to prophet Daniel that the Messiah was going to come, even though he knows that he's not going to send him because he's going to get mad at you. But I mean, but God's not a liar. Yeah, right. And God's not stupid and he doesn't make mistakes. Right. So how in the world do you not believe your Old Testament that you read, that you call the Torah, that you say is the most important part? But they'll say that, you know, Jesus was, he was an important prophet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah that, some of them will go that far. That I've heard. But it's kind of interesting that we were looking at the times, the things that are going on right now, yep. you, you know, going on in Israel, going on with the, the Muslim nations that want to destroy yes. the Jews. Similarly, mm-hmm. those people that, that left at the time, the Holy Land ended up in India, yeah. where the, they took the Gad the Seer copy that we're looking at now. Back, just same as you know, back then, really, Christ, the Christians are the number one ally of the Jewish nation. Exactly, exactly. And there's going to come a day when the Jews are going to realize that you're going to open up their eyes, and it'll unfortunately, it's probably going to happen at a, like the worst time. And they're going to finally realize that Jesus is their Messiah. And he did come and he did die for them. And they just missed it. But now they have the opportunity to turn to him. And it, it's it, it's really interesting dynamic, though, when you look at politics, geopolitics, <laughs> history, religion, because the, the Jews, obviously, it's obvious where we're in a position and the world's in a position to recognize that the Jews like the Christians recognize the Jews as God's chosen people, mm-hmm. right? And the Jews are accepting the Christians as their number one ally as we're looking at the possibilities of, of warfare in the Middle East again, things happening around the globe. And uh, it's an important tales to understand. I know Revelations, you start looking at these things, it's very interesting. And we're going to be looking at those things more in just a moment when we get back from a break. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, Spokane, WA 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Friday I guess it's a family-friendly Friday where the family can get educated and we're getting educated about the different world that we live in by Darren Wold. He's talking to us about the things in the in the Bible that are mentioned, the books that were not added into the canon that came from, uh, I don't know, the Dead Sea Scrolls. We've talked a little bit about that in the past with Darren, but we're talking about Gad the Seer today. It's kind of interesting, uh, the dynamics that went on at the time of David and after leading us up to today and prophecy. So uh, let's jump back into the conversation. We're talking about uh, the Gad the Seer. There's uh, Ken Johnson wrote a book, the book of the Gad the Seer. 
Yes. So he's the one that brought us the English version so that we would have it. And we actually have, a, there's a full Hebrew, modern Hebrew version that's in Israel right now. Um, I don't think it's made it over here to the States, but we have it. So um, what's awesome is inside there are some amazing prophecies. And I can see too why there was hesitancy um, for this to be released because of the timing of what's going on in the world right now. Um, but in this in this book, we have a prophecy of Gad the seer. And remember, this is before the temple is built because this is the time of David. They haven't even built the temple. David's allowed to gather all the materials, but because of the blood on his hands, he cannot build it. It has to be set aside for Solomon so Solomon can build that temple. And Gad has this vision um, and he's, he's facing the east gate of the temple or what will be the east gate of the temple because it's not there yet. And uh, he speaks of uh, these people groups that are going to then start to persecute the Jews. Um, and they're, they're anti-Semitic people groups. Um, and they're represented. I call them Democrats, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to love this this representation. Um, there's two animals that represent these two people groups. One is a camel, and one is a donkey, and they are going to lead Israel astray and attack them and literally try to destroy them um, in the time of the end. And it's interesting because the camel, you find out as you read further into it, is known as Old Edom. And Old Edom, if you know your Bible well, is that area that we call Saudi Arabia now. And the people group that recommend, that that represents has as their symbol a crescent moon. And so we have a crescent moon symbolizing people from the area of Saudi Arabia who are anti-Semitic. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure you guys don't have to think too hard on this. Is that one. a Muslim Brotherhood? I, Think you got it right there, Tim. I figured that. I, I remember seeing that a couple of weeks back in Olympia <laughs> in when Olympia. they had the Palestinian uh, protests. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so then let's go one step further. It's interesting because then the camel is known as what's called New Edom. Okay. And New Edom is also associated with Chittim and the sits of Kittim or Chittim in the book of Daniel there. Um which is very interesting too, because that people group comes from the northern part of the Mediterranean Ocean. Um, they also are known to have a single man who is the voice of God for them, who tells them what God says and what God, uh, what God wants them to do. Even though this man cannot perform miracles, even though this man cannot do anything spectacular or supernatural, but they still have to listen to him. The other thing is they actually tell this people group, uh, tell Gad, Gad tells that they say that, that God has divorced Israel and the Jews and he is no longer wanting anything to do with them. And they're taking his their place because they believe in a triune God. Um, they believe in God, the Father, the the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's which a trinity, is, right? It's a trinity, and it's mentioned in there. A trinity is mentioned. It's not that that's a bad thing, but they're saying because they have this understanding, they have a better understanding than the Jews themselves. And so they have replaced the Jews. It's replacement theology, which is totally wrong. Um, and so you're looking at a people group who have a single man over them. They're from Chittim, which is also known as Rome, um, the northern northern part of the Mediterranean Ocean. So this is a, this is all prophecy pre, I'm going to get ahead of you A thousand here. years before pre Christ. At, before Christ and Caesar. Oh yeah, this is before Rome exists. Rome doesn't yeah. exist right now. And he's predicting where this is going to come from, what it's going to do. And the Muslims, they're not even on the 
board right now, yet he's predicting them. And so you, you obviously know where I'm going with that. We're talking about the Pope. We're talking about Roman Catholicism. And this is interesting, too. You know, we just got this book, right? Here in 2015-16 was the first time it had an English copy. How many Roman Catholics do you think there would have been if this would have been in print from day one? That would have been a big political problem for the Roman Empire. It would have, wouldn't it? Now, it's interesting because what it talks about is that these two people groups are going to get together and they're going to convince Rosh of the North to come down and attack Israel. Rosh of the North. Hmm. Uh, what's the translation? So, Russia. Russia. And it's talking about the Ezekiel 38-39 conflict, the War of Gog Magog, and then where Rosh comes down and attacks from the north, and God puts a hook in his mouth to get him to attack. What's interesting, you, you guys, when I first heard this, I was like, this is crazy. I got to go to Ezekiel 38-39. So, I immediately went to Ezekiel 38, and as I'm reading through it, there's this line in verse 17 that just pops and the lord is talking about rosh and he's talking about you know this is the rosh who my ancient prophets have prophesied would come down and do this thing and i'm thinking wait wait stop this is ezekiel this is the only place in the bible this is mentioned until clear back at in the new testament so who else where else would we have had an ancient prophet that would have mentioned this uh, how about Gad the Seer? Gad the Seer, okay. Gad the Seer, but we don't have it in our canon, so we had no way to relate that. But Gad the Seer was mentioned in portions of the Bible oh, yes. during we, David, David. Yes, yeah. totally. And so if, if you had Gad the Seer in your canon, you would have already read about this whole Gog Magog thing, this whole Rosh coming down and attacking out of the north, is the, the children of Israel. But because we don't, all the first time we hear about it is in Ezekiel. Which That's, is very interesting. That is very interesting. And <laughs> and that putting all this this stuff together, um, I, I'm, I, there's prophecy. Okay, these things already happened. Now now we're getting the the book that was a translation from uh, original texts of these people leaving the promised land, basically before they got the promised land back. If you've not heard our shows, you can go back and grab the podcast with Darren Wold because we did talk about some of these things in in past shows mm-hmm. with the Promised Land and and the people uh, and the, the formation of of the current Israel, right? Yep. So these Jews that were ended up in India had the Gad the Seer text yep. in the scrolls. They got translated. Uh, you said German and... Uh, it was first into Dutch and Dutch. then into German. And now was that because of, you know, sometime a thousand years later when, uh, you know, there was different wars and control of, of the area? That's why the Dutch had it? Part of it was because of the people, the groups that were in there that were either in control or were operating in the area. And one of the Jews that was associated with that group happened to be Dutch and he wanted one in a copy in his own natural language. Okay. So it got copied into his language and then from there it got taken into German and then that's what got brought over and then turned into English. Um, and so these prophecies talking about Rosh, Russia, mm-hmm. and also mentioning uh, the Muslim Brotherhood and you start looking on... <laughs> Uh, the national stage, what's going on now. Of course, some of this stuff has already happened. 
the, some of the things that were prophesied. We haven't seen the war yet. We've seen, we're seeing the grounds being set. Because in Ezekiel 38, 39, what you're going to find out is that war can't take place until Israel is safe. They have to be safe, behind, and they're not, they're not cowering behind walls. Um, they're, they're totally, when that war happens, they're caught off guard. In other words, they think they're totally safe and nothing can happen or hurt them. And when that war happens, the Lord defends Israel in Ezekiel 38, 39. Right. He steps in and he is the one to defend them because, and here's what's scary, the United States doesn't. Either we are gone and out of the picture and something's happened to us, or we no longer are friends of Israel. Well, Israel's safety kind of, I mean, maybe maybe that history's played out because Israel had a really safe pot. I mean, obviously there was atrocities that have happened down there, mm-hmm. but if you look generally what's safe mean, Israel since 1948 um, has been, the, the Jewish nation has been safer than it has in almost all of the world history. Well, they've had horrible wars. You got to understand the, the, the day after they were declared a nation, um, in May, in May 14th, 1948, the UN declared them a nation in May 15th, War was declared the next day. The next day. And they should have been wiped off the map. But the Lord intervened and protected them. And then again in 1967, the Six-Day War, Six the day Lord war. protected them. In 1973, the Yom Kippur War, the Lord protected them. Well, if them. the Lord's protecting you, I would think that that's a pretty good place of safety. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, just in my thinking, yeah. I'm not a prophet. I'm not somebody that's, you know, understanding all of these concepts, except for knowing a little bit about history. Because... Obviously, the Gad the Seer ended up in India because the Jews were never safe. They had to run all the time. <laughs> they were fleeing. Right? They, were they were fleeing, <laughs> or they were trying to not be slaves in Egypt or whatever their storyline. And I think having a nation and the fact that they've had wars, if you can have wars and you can win wars, that's a place of safety compared to where they were before. Yes, and every if, if you ever get a chance to study some of those wars, I highly recommend people to actually go sit down and study the wars that Israel has actually gone through since their, their beginnings of a nation in the modern times in 1948, May 14th, because every one of those wars was hugely lopsided against them. They should have lost everyone. They should have lost everything they had, but just fantastic supernatural coincidences keep occurring on the battlefield and all around them. Sometimes their enemies, they got in so fast that they freaked out and thought it was a trap and they stopped. Can you imagine that? The enemy gets so far advanced, they think, "Uh uh-oh, it's a trap. They're surrounding us. Oh no. And then they fled. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, are oh. you kidding me? Who could who could engineer this? They, they could have just walked in and literally taken the whole place. But they left. And multiple times where they were down to the last bullet or the last cannon shell. And again, they were they all of a sudden completely succeeded when they shouldn't have. Well, and in the prophecy, I mean, they were kind of left on their own. America wasn't always involved in every one of those conflicts. Oh, no. And and we look at what's going on right now where we have leadership in, um, you know, politics right now that are trying to play both sides that, yeah. you know, they, they want to <laughs> use their narrative of a two-state solution. But the reality is that's not what the Palestinians are looking for. That's not what the people protesting that Shannon and I saw weeks oh, ago in Olympia yeah. Are, are pushing for they're nope. pushing for uh, uh what was it uh, total annihilation well total annihilation and genocide chanting, of the jews genocide, genocide of the jews, of the jews yep. you know from the river to the to ocean the, yes R- river to the sea right yeah and that means they erase israel yep. and that's that i i don't see a state solution in that narrative so 
we've got a, a couple minutes left here. Rosh from the north. That's kind of where we, we, we left off. Rosh from the north coming down. Russia. Hmm. Oh, you Who mean are they? Russia, the ones that we gave them a whole bunch of ammunition? Well, we, we gave the Muslim Brotherhood a lot of stuff when we Afghanistan. left Afghanistan. Yeah. $8 billion? Well, yeah. Or uh, I thought it was maybe $58 billion. I don't know. It was a lot. We don't they know. They officially listed as $8 billion, but we know it was a lot more than so, that. So <laughs> there's all that. Plus, let's see, Rosh has allied with, and there's been this whole th battle of regime change where America kind of has been involved in places. Uh, oh, let's see, Iran, Syria. Oh, who's involved there? Oh, Russia. So what's interesting, if you actually look at that Ezekiel 38-39 battle group, um, it was just 10 years ago that Russia had not want, wanted nothing to do with Iran wanted nothing to do with China. I mean, all these other countries that they are now allied with, just in the last five, six years, they've all of a sudden become best buddies. And so now you got Russia in there with Iran, in there with China, also with North Korea. You have uh, Turkey, who's another player in the, in the Ezekiel 38, 39 conflict. And then you have some other weird little countries who are kind of kind of in the background that we, we don't hear a lot about, but their, their names are actually mentioned in the Bible. And one is Ethiopia, another one, I believe, is Sudan, and then we also have Libya in there. So there's some players that have never been together, never been part of an ally alliance, that are all of a sudden coming closer and closer. So we're starting to see the ability of this to even happen now. And that's where it gets really interesting. As things start, start to happen over there, you're seeing all the pieces start to get in place for this next conflict where when Israel is attacked. Well, the next conflict, sorry, Darren, is going to have to happen on our next show. But what an interesting <laughs> world we live in. Um, and we're going to be back talking about the world or world with Darren Wold on our next episode. Folks, all that being said, I hope you had a great time yesterday with the family and Thanksgiving. And we got to be thankful for the prophecy, the book that we've been given, and all the information that is there for us to see. We'll see you folks again on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you. Ah!